your personal relapse warning signs. Uh, uh, I'm the moderator as well as one of the speakers for this workshop. In addition to me, Terry M will be speaking. We're being supported by the Zoom host, Lauren N, the chat monitor, Danielle G, the timekeeper, Deborah R, and Renee D, who's working on meeting security. Thank you to everyone for your service. Let's start the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Please note that this session is 90 minutes long, which is longer than the other sessions. Each speaker will take up to have up to 15 minutes. We'll then have a 20 minute writing period and we'll finish by sharing our lists with each other. At the end of the session, you should have a pretty good list of relapse warning signs that are specific to you, which you can then post inside your medicine cabinet door or in your meditation space or wherever you want. Audio from this session is being recorded and will not be edited before it is made available for listening online. By sharing, you consent to being recorded. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name or refrain from sharing altogether. Closed captioning is available. Click on live transcript. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend by not recording audio or taking screenshots. Here is some Zoom info, info for you. Attendees are automatically muted. Please stop your video if you're walking around, eating, or chewing gum. We ask you to rename yourself to first name and last initial, and feel free to add your state, province, or country. Until the speakers have finished, you will be able to chat only with the co-host, excuse me, the host or the co-host. As I said, Terry and I will have up to 15 minutes each and will be aided by the timer, Deborah R., who will signal when five minutes remain and when time is up. Terry, you're on. Thank you, Michael. Hi, everybody. My name is Terry, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be here tonight and to be um, sharing this beautiful uh, program with all of you. Um, a little bit about myself. I came into the, the um, let's see, um, this month, or it is 49 years that I've been in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous when I was 18 years old. And I thought that, um, you know, I was going to be starting college and I thought it would be cool to um, lose weight before I was before I started classes I was going to be going to Suffolk community on Long Island and at the time I was um, you know back then I was about I came into the rooms at 157 pounds and at that time in the 70s um, there weren't uh, the, the, the obesity, the weight issues were not what they are today. So I stood out um, as, a, as a young girl, um, as chubby, um, you know, all the names. So I loved everything about OA when I came into these rooms. I loved everything about it. I loved when they talked about higher power. They talked about God. I loved, I did everything you asked me to do in OA. I read, I took a sponsor, I took a service. And then um, the first five years going to Overeaters Anonymous, um, because I really was willing to do anything you asked me except to put down the food. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous because I had a weight problem, and yet I was willing to do everything except to put down my drug of choice, which for me was the food. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought I, I needed a diet. And so coming to OA for religiously for five years, I proceeded to gain a lot of weight coming to OA every week. 
And so my top weight was 202 pounds. I came into the rooms as a junior size 15. And um, at my heaviest, I was um, a woman size 20, 22 pants, and um, like a size 2X. Um, and that was my history the first five years in OA. And I remember saying to my sponsor, oh, but you know, Michelle, she was a, oh my God, she was a great sponsor. I had her for about 15 years back then. And I said, you know, Michelle, I'm, I'm really trying though, but I'm really trying. And I remember she said something to me and she said, you know, Terry, you could die trying in this room. You could die trying in this room um, unless you start really working the program. And for me, the difference between um, recovery and relapse, which I experienced later, is the fact that um, for me, the recovery was not in the fellowship, or I shouldn't make the recovery, the fellowship, the illusion that I was working this program if I was going to meetings and working the tools. That was not enough for me. Really, the recovery is in the 12 steps. And the tools and this beautiful fellowship help facilitate me being able to work these steps one day at a time. After that, I, I, you know, I don't know what happened, but I decided to just um, listen. Well, I do know what happened. I decided to listen to what my sponsor said. And if it meant for me being abstinent for one day, and that still includes for me weighing and measuring my food. I proceeded to get abstinent. And um, I lost a lot of weight. I lost all of the weight. I lost about 60 pounds. And I maintained it for about a good solid 10 years. I was able, I got married abstinently. Um, I had my children abstinently. Um, and that was a trip because when you're pregnant in the rooms, you know, when I was pregnant, the food plan had a change and the body was changing and it took time to go back. But I remember there was, the event came after 10 years of contented abstinence, working my program. I'm telling you contented. Um, my mother had passed away. And at that morning meeting, I remember I was in St. Charles, and I said, we're going to be burying my mom soon, but I commit that I will not compulsively overeat. And I will tell you, after the funeral, when we went back to my brother's house, I remember when I picked up I remember it. And someone said, uh, I heard it said, if you can't remember your last binge, you didn't have one yet. Well, let me tell you, I remember that. I remember when I picked up and we were at my brother's and um, there was a food that was, it is not on my food plan. It is just not on my food plan. But this is one of... I would say one of the things on my list that I have to be very careful when I'm going with the signs of relapse may be starting to boil up. And that was with the sentence when in my brain it said, and then I decided I looked at a food and at that moment, I decided, I heard myself say, 
I can have this once. So this is that we make the list. I could give you a little thing when I hear, and then I decided that is a huge red flag for me. Oh, oh guess what? Yep. It didn't happen overnight. I had that one, and I ate it like a lady, right? I very ate it like a lady. And before you knew it, right, Michael's looking at me and smiling, I started to pick up other things very gracefully, um, like a lady. And guess what? I rationalized myself right back into obesity. I rationalized myself right back into obesity. It took me about eight years to get my abstinence back. Eight years going to OA. I will tell you what I have learned about this. The biggest thing is a few things. This is what I love. I heard it said that if I didn't change the entire person who walked into that OA room, then that same exact person would take me out. And that being the disease, the addiction. My addiction speaks to me in my own voice. Gentle reminder, five minutes. Thank you. My addiction has me believing that I, on some level, can manage my food. That is another red flag on my list. When somehow I begin to believe that I can manage my food, that becomes an issue for me. I want to tell you also, this is another thing that could have put me over the edge the last 20, 20 something years of my life in recovery. And that is the notion that somehow my abstinence is connected to the circumstances in my life. Somehow that addict has me believing that if things were easier, you could be abstinent. Or when things get easier, then you can get abstinent. Or when things are hard, you don't need to be abstinent. Somehow this crazy notion that my recovery has anything to do with the circumstances in my life is pure insanity. That is the biggest thing on my list. I can tell you I have eaten myself through uh, <laughs> beautiful moments. And I can tell you that in the darkest moments of my life, namely the death of my son almost six years ago, complications of heroin use. He died of dehydration and malnutrition. I can tell you, oh my God, and the whole journey, 
I can tell you I was abstinent. Why was I abstinent? Why was it calm? And here's the biggest thing. I had to make my God bigger than me. I had to make my God bigger than me. My God, my higher power, my spiritual recovery, and my emotional recovery is my sobriety. My abstinence, my abstinence is so important. But being abstinent does not make me sober. Working three parts does. So my God became the most important thing in my life. And I have to make my God bigger. I need my program more now than I ever did. I've turned a corner with the death of my boy. If It'll be six years. But you want to know something? I need it more now than ever. I know my addiction has a life of its own, and I have to treat it as such. Mm. Every day, I make sure to sponsor. Every day, every other day, I call my sponsor. I still commit my food to my sponsor after 49 years. I still um, do service. I still make my program the most important thing in my life without exception. My program, I tell you, is the most important thing in my life, without exception. I can oh. also... Time's up? Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. So I just want to say thank you. I'm happy to be here. And thank you, Michael. I will unmute. And then say thank you as well. That was really powerful, and I'm really grateful that I got to hear you. Uh, okay, I'm going to take uh, 15 as well. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm a food addict. I am the uh, junior member of this team because 49 years, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, I've been coming around uh, roughly 35 years. Uh, I do have a picture I want to share, um, which I just found today going through stuff that my mom had at her house. And she passed away a few years ago and somehow I just happened to uh, find this like an hour ago. Uh, there's me on the left, my grandmother, my brother, uh, my niece and my mom. And I, this was in 1987 and uh, that's how big I was. That's how big I was. I was, uh, uh, I weighed 365 uh, in 1991. So that was four years before that, anyway. Um, and uh, I came into the rooms as a result of a, of a therapist. And uh, I'm really grateful that he insisted. You know, I, I always like to say, you know, if you have a healthcare professional, and you're comfortable doing this, emphasize that you're finding relief in the program. Because, and, you know, I had to tell my guy, I know you have regulations, privacy. I am directing you. I will put it in writing if you need me to. If you have anybody who you think might benefit from just hearing about this, give them my name and number. And that actually brought a guy into the, into the rooms. And he enjoyed recovering. I haven't seen him in a while, but Charles, but... Uh, even just one. Anyway, that's an aside. Uh, so this is about uh, uh, knowing if you might be going into relapse. First, I looked it up in the dictionary. Uh, I hope I can find it. Lapse is a temporary deviation or fall. Relapse 
is a recurrence of symptoms of a disease after a period of improvement. Now, the thing with that is, is that uh, if you, uh, you know, when you have a problem, it may, may not still be in your control. You know, what are you gonna do next? Um, it can be temporary. So uh, my thought for this workshop was that each one of us, if we think about the things, if we have a, a, a history with relapse, what were the things that were going on that at the time I didn't realize were evidence that I was going into relapse? It's much easier to see uh, in retrospect. Uh, certainly, it's very strongly, you know, I didn't make this up, you know, I didn't make up any of this, but very strongly my experience is the food is the last to go. So by the time I put the food in my mouth, I may have been in relapse for quite some time. And the only way to um, uh, prevent, my, prevent myself from going into relapse is recognizing these smaller things that happened before I got to the point of putting the food in my mouth. I'll tell you, I, 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 there was a time I remember it real clearly. Uh, I was scuffling and uh, eating and I had my jacket on and I was going out the door to get food and a friend of mine in program called and I told her what I was going to do and she never said oh no no please don't do it nothing like that but by during that phone call I took off my jacket and I didn't go out that night that's the power of telephone or you know I'm again I, I'm not the only one who's ever experienced anything like that uh but um Maintaining contact with my peers in program uh, is really important. They might be, they might see stuff in my behavior because they know me because I've been coming around for a while uh, that I might not see or I might not see as a warning sign. Uh, again, didn't make this up. It's a threefold illness, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I don't have any doubt. Again, I'm not, don't mean to, uh, it's just, what I think, it doesn't, it's not like, it's just what I think, take it or leave it. Um, that the spiritual part is the most important part. You know, when, you know, as I said, by the time I get to the food and I want to put it on my mouth, I don't want you to stop me because I've been thinking about that and I've been romancing it. And then it's, you know, I'm too far gone. So what are the things that happen way before I got to uh, romancing a, a food. Uh, and some of the things that I know are true for me uh, is that uh, I stopped praying. It's, a, you know, the spiritual for me is the first line of defense. If I have a strong spiritual program, I fear, you know, I fear, feel fairly confident that I'm not going to go out and binge tonight. Uh, anything could happen, but, uh, uh, you know, I have what I consider to be a, uh, robust spiritual connection. Uh, I pray almost every morning. I pray for specific things. They're not for me. They're for what I can do to help others. There's been strife in my family recently. And I pray for all the people involved. I'm not involved directly. Uh, and in my prayer, I said, well, okay, all right, what can I do for them? Oh, yeah, well, why haven't you called that person? And, and you know, and it's one of the ways that prayer helps me uh, be more like the person I want to be. Um, so uh, one more thing I want to say is uh, that uh, for me, these small boundaries are the most important. Uh, what would a small boundary be? You know, sometimes uh, people uh, who aren't in program will say, oh, give yourself a break. That wasn't that bad. But what happens when I do something with food and I don't recognize it as, uh, as a problem, uh, the worst thing that can happen is that I, quote unquote, get away with it. You know, I heard uh, our other speakers uh, talk about uh, 
doing one thing. And I think she said she ate it like a lady. I could die. That's when I was smiling. I can relate to that. Well, you know. Yeah, thanks. You know what I mean? Um, but then, you know, if I quote unquote, get away with it, that just makes the next one more normal. Hey, I got with it. I got away with it last time. No problem. Uh, so when I have the small boundaries uppermost in my mind, and I work not to uh, get past them, then I know that the bigger boundaries, the ones that most people would say, well, okay, well, that's really important, uh, will never come into view. They'll be over the horizon, and I'll never get there. Um, so I know, you know, people outside the program, they don't get it. And it's okay if they don't get it. It's okay. But I get it. And I know that I need to respect the boundaries that I can, that are the first, the first tripwires. So anyway, I said, uh, one of the warning signs for me is that I stop praying. Uh, I slack off going to meetings. I guess that could go for all of my uh, tools. Prayer is not for me a tool. It's uh, uh, at, a, at a higher level of importance for me. Um, but when I uh, slack off going to meetings, oh, I don't need to be there. They don't need me. And it's not even like I think they don't need me. I don't need them is what I'm saying. Uh, that already I'm on the way to relapse. Uh, I get away from doing service. I do have a problem doing service. Uh, some of you may be able to relate. Uh, I take on too, what ends up feeling like too much. And then I... Um, burn out on it and I don't want to do it. Uh, right now I'm the uh, chair of my inner group and I'm a region six delegate and I'm a world service dele delegate. And we're on a committee where we're trying to, uh, uh, at, at region six, where we're trying to uh, expand a method we use in our inner group to use uh, Google ad grants that go to nonprofits to bring in newcomers. Uh, so that's been a lot of work. And then at World Service, I'm, I'm the uh, chair of a subcommittee in the 12 Step Within. Uh, and, you know, it just, you know, uh, anyway, uh, when I, I guess that's a different issue, getting overwhelmed by service. But when I, 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 I you know, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, that could be a, another step on my way to uh, relapse. This is partly what I tried to get to earlier. Uh, it's not proof that I'm in relapse. Gentle all, reminder, five thank minutes. You, thank you. These are all things that you could say necessary, but not sufficient. So that if I do this, I might be headed to whatever, I might be headed to relapse because in the past it was leading to relapse and therefore I have to pay attention to it. It doesn't mean I'm doomed to be in relapse. It's by noticing these things that, you know, that like I say, are well before the food that save me. You know, I can tell on myself to my sponsor and we can come up with a plan not to do this or that um, before um, it's before it's definitely a sign that I'm going into relapse. Um, another one for me is I think I know better. When I, you know, you can't tell me, yeah, if you heard me this morning, you know, I, I said that quite a lot. Uh, but uh, if I'm so smart, how did I end up at, uh, you know, around, you know, my early thirties at 365 pounds, um, never had a girlfriend, uh, couldn't, didn't have a lot of uh, relationships and, uh, spent almost every night, uh, after work going to a fast food place or two or three, the fast food triple play, you know, they often congregate together. And there was one night where I actually went to one, pulled over, ate it, went to the next one ordered the drive-through, pulled over and ate it, and then went to a third one. You know, I could really abuse myself with food. But when I start thinking that I, that I know better than you, that I don't need to listen to you, that, you know, I'm in trouble, and that's how I was all the time before I came into the rooms. Uh, when I'm grumpy more than I, used, than I have been in the past, you know, uh, my spirituality does lead to happiness for me. You know, uh, uh, 
Um, uh, one of the things I've been praying for uh, in the last six months or so is, please God, fill me to overflowing with your love so that I cannot possibly help but share it with every single creature that I come in contact with. And I got to tell you, when that happens, there was, uh, I was in a grocery store today. The aisle was kind of narrow. And there was a guy and he had his back to me and he didn't know. And he had like a three-year-old or four-year-old girl holding on to him. So I couldn't get by. You know, I would never have like, you know, just started shouting at the guy. Oh, maybe I would have. But I might have, you know, been more passive aggressive. And, uh, hmm, well, excuse me. You know, and instead, I just went around the other side. You know, it's such a small thing. I'm not saying, you know, you know, crown me now because of what a wonderful thing I did. But, you know, I pray for patience. I pray. And, and when these things happen, uh, I'm just so joyful, you know, that I didn't have to ruin somebody else's day or whatever. Uh, another thing that's, uh, uh, maybe it's the same thing as being grumpy, but it's more specific with, um, if, I, if I have strife with family, as I said, I refer to something that I'm not a party to, to uh, my brother's family. Uh, but when I'm getting into more and more scrapes, there's something wrong with me. You may have heard this. When you're on the road and you run into an asshole, well, maybe he's an asshole. You run into two, well, there's a question. If you run into three, you're the asshole. Um, pardon my manner of speech, I hope. Um, I guess that's all I have. Those are some of the things that tell me that I'm not in a fit spiritual condition. And if I do not maintain my spiritual life, I will eat again. No doubt about it. And, you know, just from my experience. So I'll uh, stop and let me go back to the format. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I, I read something at the beginning, which I wrote, and I'm not sure it was um, clear. Um, we're going to take 20 minutes now for each of us to reflect on our own experience with relapse if we have it. Um, and things that you know when you're doing that, you might be in a little bit of trouble. And then my hope is, is that when we come back and we read our lists, uh, others will hear stuff that was on you know, one of your lists and think, oh yeah, that's true for me too. And that by the end, we will each have a list that isn't, you know, it's not like, there's nothing in black and white. Uh, you know, these, this is proof when I do these things, I'm in relapse. It's not like that as we know. But if we have warning, then we have a better chance to straighten up before it's too late. So I invite each of you to uh, take the next 20 minutes. Let's see, actually, I may have words for this. Um, for the next 20 minutes, you'll have time to craft your own list of relapse warning signs. Deborah, could you set the timer for 20 minutes and give us a notice at 15, as well as saying when time has elapsed? Okay, let's take 20 minutes to write. I'm going to pause the recording. Thank you very much. So, uh, yes, we will now open the, sh the floor for shares. As you know, in other sessions, fellows have up to two minutes to speak. But in this session, we want to hear your entire list. Please consider that we're trying to allow everyone to share their list, though. Yeah. Deborah will give a signal at two minutes to help keep each of us on track. Can Lauren, our host, please open the chat to all? If you want to share, please use the raise hand function found under reactions. If you need help, you can chat with a host. If you're using a phone, please press star nine. When it is your turn to speak, I will call on you and you will be prompted to unmute. Please select unmute to speak. Tell us where you're from and how long you've been in OA. Please remember, our traditions state that OA has no opinion on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diets, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature, and other 12-step fellowships. Please avoid outside issues in your share. Please stick to the topic of the meeting, which is warning signs of relapse. The meeting is now open for sharing. 
Okay, I need to take a different view so I can see everyone. Uh, Mary Fran, you're first up. Hi, I'm Mary Fran. I'm a food addict and bulimic. And uh, I, I really enjoyed this uh, workshop. So I was writing down my list and uh, I really, I got a lot out from both you and, and Terry. And um, some of my things were when I make other people my focus over me, um, thinking I got this, thinking I don't need to talk to my sponsor today. It's okay to miss meetings. I'm fine. My food is good. Uh, it's only one I can stop. And even if I can't, it's only one day. Tomorrow I'll be fine. It's always my thoughts that are controlled by the disease, not the other way around. That is why I need to ignore the thoughts and follow direction instead. Believing I know better or even worse that I know best, um, there's always tomorrow. And then I start getting into thinking, thinking, which is, what's the point? I'll never get my body back. I have illnesses that will still rob from me. And food is all I have to enjoy. And I know that that's not true. Um, I forgot to mention that I'm just back in uh, coming to OA back from a year and a half long relapse. And uh, before that, I had almost a year of recovery. And I've been coming around the rooms for 32 years. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's it. That's my list. I mean, there's so many more things I could add to it. But when I look at the list, I sit back and I see that it's all my thinking that causes the problem. And my thoughts are affected by my disease. So I have to step out of myself to get back into recovery. So I'm glad I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Mary friend. Good to hear from you. Uh, it's hard, you know, I really hope that everyone will be able to, you know, take things from other people's shares. And it's hard if we speak uh, quickly. I will say we're being recorded. Everyone here will have access to the recording. So you'll be able to go back and listen to it more slowly. Uh, but if there's something you didn't get and you want uh, to make sure you do right away, you can uh, put it in the chat. Rebecca C., you're up. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm from Montreal. I've been coming to OA on and off for 25 years now, um, but I've struggled for most of those 25 years to find any kind of prolonged abstinence. I did finally find a food plan that worked for me, but that only lasted a few years because I decided I didn't need program. But guess what? I'm back from yet another relapse a year and a half this time. Each relapse gets harder and harder. And here, one, when I continue to think or wish that I could be a normal eater, Two, when I think I will start over on Monday, so until Monday, I must enjoy all the food. Three, when I feel sorry for myself because I know deep within myself that I'm a food addict and it's just not fair. Four, when I tell myself I can have one thing one time because I'm just going out to dinner with my son and I should be able to do that once in a while. Or when I tell myself that I can just eat certain foods at certain times, like Christmas or vacation. Uh, when I give myself permission to overeat because I'm dealing with too many stresses in life or with chronic pain issues. Ironically, my chronic pain would probably improve if I was abstinent. Uh, six, when I start getting sick of people in program and judging them. Seven, when I tell myself that I don't have time for meetings because of my job or because I would rather be doing art in my spare time because art is therapeutic after all. Eight, when other people tell me that I should not deprive myself and I should just have one small piece, there's a little voice in my head that tries to believe them. Nine, when I tell myself that finding comfort in food is just a basic human desire. 10, when I'm tired or restless. 11, when I don't feel like doing things that are good for me, like exercise, I need to be That's careful. Two That's two minutes. Keep going. And the last Go one, I have... Hello? The last one is when I feel lonely. That's it. Thank you. 
Thank you, Rebecca. Debbie, I'm sorry. You did exactly as I asked, and, and I appreciate that uh, um, for giving that two-minute warning. Uh, Giselle, it's your turn. Hi, my name is Giselle, and I'm affected by compulsive overeating. I'm from Saskatchewan. Um, I guess for me, my program is a little different than a lot of people's. Um, for me, I try to break habits that I've formed and I've been, there has been progress in, um, minimizing, um, consumption of the foods that were red foods at one time. Um, so getting on to what we're here about, um, I'm, I'll try not to repeat what other people said. Listening to someone else who, uh, as an authority on my eating or is dominating, that, that really is hard to deal with. Um, I try to um, not guilt myself over whether I eat or not. Uh, I've been successful in maintaining uh, I'd like to lose, um, but not attending meetings, lying about my eating to self or others. Um, uh, breaking progress. Not accepting what I cannot change. Letting things get to me. Um, gossiping. Not having a sponsor. Too much alone time. Isolating. Um, I find that stressful situations don't necessarily lead me to eating like they did at one time. Um, you know, I can go into stores now and, um, you know, I, I'm not tempted to pick up an unhealthy food and, and eat more than I should. I don't buy those foods anymore. I don't have them in my house. Um, thank you. So I know I've digressed a bit, but in general, that's my list. Thank you. Thank you, Giselle. Al from Florida, your turn. Yeah, I'm Al, very compulsive reader. I've been, I'm from, I'm from Connecticut, but I live in Florida. I've been in the program for 35 years I lost 165 pounds and I've been maintaining for five years which is a miracle so I'm so grateful you know but I'm not I didn't write in detail but in generality uh, here here's the deal I, I'm making it because I'm coming back to the meetings I have a sponsor I do the work and that's the miracle I I, I do the action and and I realize more and more and I you know, it's an allergy of the body and session of the mind, which I know everybody probably understands. And in my case, every time I got in trouble, and thankfully I haven't, is when that human emotions keep building and building and building and building. And for example, this last uh, weekend, I was just, you know, a few days now, I'm saying I was kind of angry at someone and I couldn't let go of the anger. Um, I, I, I lost the weight. I look good, but today I was, somebody said something negative about me when I went to see a pickleball, uh, game and, um, it was ego deflection and, um, and, and I had a little heart issue. All the three things, you know, were going on. Everything, thank, thank, thankfully the heart is okay. It was full, full muscle. Um, but the, but the problem was I wasn't doing step 10 and step 11. I wasn't cleaning it up. And, and the problem is, and they say in the program, if I keep letting it build up and from one day to the next day, guess what? I'm going to have what they say in the program, that peculiar mental twist. I don't even know where it came from. And I'm back into that food. I, it, it, you know, it is true. It's a three-legged stool physical, emotional, and spiritual. And they say, I have to clean house and trust God and have faith uh, and, and keep coming back. I can't do this alone. 
And I'm so grateful. Thank you. I have nothing else to say. Thanks. Thanks, Al. Lisa G. Hi. Um, I'm Lisa G from Toronto. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm maintaining about a 60 pound weight loss. So um, I sort of split mine into physical, spiritual, emotional. And here's what I got. So under physical, when following my food plan is motivated by fear of gaining the weight back, when my weight loss makes me start feeling like I'm finished, when I eat as fast as I can at the table because I'm in pain and then I don't enjoy the food, I don't register the food and I feel cheated. When I start including yellow foods in my food plan and when I stop weighing myself on a monthly basis because I'm scared I gained weight. Under spiritual, I've got when I stop praying, when I start relying on myself and isolating myself from my higher power, when I stop trusting that my meal uh, that I've eaten is just, that I've just eaten provides me with enough sustenance and I make decisions to supplement with extra food. And then emotional, when I stop prioritizing my emotional fitness routines and instead become the fixer for everyone else's problems. When my kids' problems become my problems. Um, when I feel like it's important to whomever that I eat this specific thing today. When my feelings start to feel like hunger all the time. And a big one is when I start lingering in my kitchen, which is my happy place, my comfort spot after meals. And the snacking that happens there is just part of the meal. And that's it. I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for contributing. That was great. Lauren. Hello, Lauren, compulsive overeater, sugar addict. And um, I'm actually just coming out of a relapse. Um, I've been in relapse since uh, early spring. Um, and I'm not 100% yet, but I'm feeling better. So um, I wrote a list of uh, 31 items. So I'm just going to do the highlights. But basically, the first one is the most important. It's when the O efforts, I'm going to not use the whole word, are part of my vocabulary. I get irritable and want to gossip about others. I want to eat and think about food incessantly. I obsess and stop working towards my goals. I don't believe anyone else understands me. I feel sorry for myself. I sabotage my behavior. I want more, more, more and can't feel satisfied with anything I've accomplished. Accomplishments aren't acknowledged and disappointments and disappointment in myself is abundant and prevalent in whatever I do. I stop caring about the things I really care about. I start spending too much money. I start trolling the dating apps. I become totally discouraged with my life and, and prospects of my, of gaining of my gaining abstinence again. I stop caring about my, I stop calling my sponsor and other fellows. I stop doing my 10th and 11th step. I think I'm not important. I'm afraid of life and can't do it. I isolate, isolate, isolate. I become a different person, one who is selfish and self-absorbed. I believe that I lie that I believe that lie that my brain tells me, the lie that says I can do it this on my own without any help. Two minutes. Thank you. Yeah. A little bit more. I'm a relapse waiting to happen. If I'm ever, if I'm 
if I ever get 100% abstinent again, I'm going to remember that. I need to work this program like my hair is on fire. I stopped making three calls every day and talking to three people, not just calls. I stopped being of service to others. I stopped having sponsees. Sponsees drop away and I feel relieved. I stopped writing in the mornings and nights. I, I have time. I have to have some exercise every day and I stopped doing that. I eat at home or I eat out more often. It's only one in my head and I miss, I miss meetings and believe that I'll get back to it tomorrow because I'll never get back to it tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Nancy, it's your turn. Nancy S. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm from New Hampshire. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been around program like 35 years, but I did have a relapse. So I do know, uh, what what that's about, um, I think my warning signs are a little different based on that. So um, I have three things that are like, if I don't do them for like three days, um, that's kind of like my limit. So for example, if I don't email my sponsor for three days, that's a problem um, waiting to happen with for me. And same, if I don't do my daily reading for three days, and um, if I don't write down my food or my gratitude, I have a little index card I do for each day. If I don't do that for three days, that's kind of like the my um, gauge. And then uh, if I don't, uh, if I let two days go by without walking or getting any movement, um, if I don't make time for self-care, um, if I start taking care of other people's needs before my own, um, if I don't verbalize the foods I need on the shopping list or at a restaurant, um, but I overdo and overcommit to service. If I let up on a small boundary while on vacation and if I don't make it to uh, my meetings. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nancy. Um, I just want to emphasize, it, it, we're doing something a little bit different with the timer. Uh, I, I, I wanted uh, us to get a reminder that, okay, you've gone two minutes, maybe you want to begin wrapping up. But also, I said at the beginning, we, you know, we're, we're trying to share our lists with each other. And if your list goes on a little bit longer, that's okay. So I'm thinking of the timer uh, the two minute thing is like a hint more than a, what we're used to in meetings, which is, you know, shut up now. Hmm. Um, I hope that's okay. I, 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 that's what I was thinking. Dave, it's your turn. Thanks. Hi, Dave, possible reader. Um, it, it was great to hear the speakers. Um, so it, red flags for me, are, uh, stopping going to meetings, um, not having a sponsor or not using a sponsor. Um, no food plan, not tracking my food anymore. Uh, denying my feelings. Uh, not dealing with my anger or taking a personal inventory. Um, and trying, the big thing is trying to control people and outcomes. Not realizing they have their own, um, they they have their own free will and um, kind of taking power from people in that way. If I'm know what's best for them, you know, um, in my arrogance. So those are the key things that uh, cause me a lot of, you know, uh, those are the red flags. Thanks. Thank you, Dave. Maria. Thanks. I'm Maria, a compulsive reader from Chicago. I've been in and out of the program since the 90s, and currently I'm in relapse. Here's my list. I start thinking about what food I can order for delivery. I don't go to a meeting because I'm embarrassed. I get disappointed and want comforting food. I do something well, accomplish a goal, 
and feel like I should be rewarded. I want to escape the present moment. Uh, when I want to take a break from life, eating will put me in an unfeeling, unconnected state. When I get angry, to control my anger, I push it down with food. When I feel overwhelmed, when I don't spend time doing artwork or reading or anything that, would, that enriches me, uh, when I avoid doing the dishes, when I don't take care of my environment, my space, when I'm bored, when I'm not reaching out, when I feel humiliated if I call for help, and when I go into a grocery store, although I don't need anything. Thank you. That's it. Thank you, Maria. T, your turn. Hey, I'm T, compulsive overeater. This is my list. Um, not full from dinner, even though I ate plenty. Obsessing about food at night. Not being able to stop eating at night. Eating anything on my red list. Saying it will be okay, even though I know it isn't really. Stopping prayer. Stopping coming to meetings. Stop asking for help. Stop caring about OA. Romanticizing binges in my head. Not wanting to share with another OA member I'm struggling. Waiting to talk with other OA members until I'm not struggling. Not weighing myself because I don't want to see how much weight I've gained. Not wanting to see people so I can eat instead. Giving up on exercise. Not sending in food daily to my sponsor. Skipping sponsor meetings. That's it for me. Thank you, T. Thank you for sharing. Uh, we do have about 10 minutes left. If anybody else would like to share what, uh, what they came up with. Um, if anyone wanted to just share, they don't have a list, but they something they wanted to share about, we could definitely do a two-minute share on that. Or with a group conscience, we could well, I'll give it a little more time. Megan, thank you. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to say, I'm a, Megan, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm in OA 45 years um, because it did take me 14 years to get abstinent, and it probably took me another six years to get a very good, uh, solid food plan. And I use the high protein plan of dignity of choice. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I relapsed in the program 1,355 times, calculating every third day. I was binging every third day in the program for 11 years. <clears throat> then I binged um, every month in the uh, 11th or 12th year every month, once a month. Then the next year I binged every other month. And then the following year I binged every quarter. And uh, the following year I binged twice a year and then it was over. And the reason I'm saying that is because I am maintaining a 60 pound weight loss. <clears throat> I don't really give a crap that anybody binges I don't, I think it's like de rigueur for the program. This is just what happens. Uh, I felt terrible in the rooms. People thought they would kind of catch it. You know, I wasn't getting the program. And part of the reason I felt was because people were not that nice. I still think that. And I implore people to be nice to me. <laughs> I don't really need it anymore, but uh, to, to, to really have uh, grace and dignity in front of others, it's just, just very helpful for, for newcomers. I do go back to feeling like I want to eat when I feel isolated. Alone. Two minutes. Thank you. When I visit my brother, he has mental illness and he doesn't really talk that much. So I feel very isolated on Long Island and I don't have a car. 
And um, yeah, it's that has not been easy because his roommate also talks all about himself and I have to be very interested because otherwise I get no conversation at all for three days. <laughs> and that roommate has sugary food and that makes it attractive. That whole environment makes it attractive. And I feel like I have to visit my brother because my mother died two years ago. And I feel that I'm um, important to him for him to see family. So I'm committed to my abstinence today. Just, you know, I give everybody, everybody, 100% of credit. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Cara, please go ahead. Hi, Michael. Thank you. I am Cara, compulsive overeater, recovering bulimic and sugar addict. And this workshop has been incredibly helpful for me. I am... I don't have a history of relapse unless you count the fact that I came into OA in my early 20s, um, came in for the vanity, looked for the diet plan, um, lost some weight, and then left, (laughs) Um, thinking I could do it on my own. And then my weight escalated to nearly 300 pounds. All that to say, I came back in 2008 and have been abstinent faithfully ever since. But I'm going through some really difficult personal things right now, and I can feel myself being pulled toward the food. So this workshop for me was um, more on the lines of prevention rather than um, a long-time experience uh, with relapse. But what I wrote down was... um, when I start to get sloppy with food, for example, I, I do weigh and measure my food, but I will um, eyeball certain things and say, I don't need to use the scale for a vegetable. You know, I've never binged on broccoli before. Um, or, you know, I say, well, what's one gram extra? Well, today it might be one gram, but tomorrow it might be five. And then it'll be, you know, an ounce or whatever. And then um, when I find myself um, picking at crumbs as I'm putting things away or licking a spoon um, after I've mixed something, you know, I, I, I came into recovery beyond human help. And I know that I've only been able to maintain this abstinence one day at a time through a very, very gracious higher power. That's two minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Um, I'll wrap up. And um, yeah, so I I appreciate everybody to be on the lookout for, and I especially appreciated um, the two speakers, especially the commitment to abstinence, to a food plan, and that regardless of what is going on in my life, it is not an excuse to overeat or undereat that I have to put my recovery first. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you all for your service. Thanks, Cara. Judy C. Can you unmute, Judy? There you go. I have no idea how that hand got raised. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, it must be for a good reason. Um, I, on my list, I have impatient with myself and others, um, self-absorbed, not as grateful for the wonderful things that I have. Um, Oh, and I can handle bloody blah because I've been around 40 plus years. Yep. Um, bored with repeating steps eight and nine <laughs> in my groups. <laughs> and I recently found <clears throat> a good reason why that was happening and had to um, write a letter to, um, to someone. <clears throat> focus, increase focus on my weight. Uh, resist asking for help from my great spirit or help from others. Um, 
My situation is so different though. Yada, yada. <laughs> Don't you know that my situation is so much worse than the rest of you, right? Oh my God. I am so grateful to hear all of you because I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, I'm impatient and annoyed easily. I can see that happening. Tired of others sharing when they start repeating themselves um, in meetings. Oh, like I don't. Um, feel lonely. I heard that otherwise here too. And uh, less use of the phone. And it's much easier to just do email and um, texting. But the phone is really, really important. So thank you. Thanks, Judy. Uh, we have uh, uh, two fellows who have their hands up, and it's, uh, we, it looks like we've got two minutes left for each. So that, that's working out very well. Lynn D., would you like to go? Yes. Um, I, uh, I live in Maine, and I have been familiar with uh, Overeaters Anonymous since the 1980s. Um, I have uh, been in and out of the program and have, um, this is my third time with weight loss. Um, and I've had two significant relapses in the past. Uh, the first relapse that I had was because I did not understand the phenomena of craving. Um, the second relapse I had was because, um, I was extremely stressed. My uh, husband was in the hospital, sick, didn't know what was going on. And uh, I went to the cafeteria at the hospital and had a really silly thought uh, about food. And I was back in it. For me, uh, I have to be careful of hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and sick. I always add sick to that halt part of it. Um, and um, rationalizing what's going on in my life, uh, neglecting myself or my body, being dishonest about my food plan, making last minute changes to my food plan and not texting my sponsor about it. And one day can lead into another and the changes can happen. And uh, lying to myself and others about what's really going on around uh, inside of me. And I appreciate this workshop. I have others on my list that I added based on what other people have shared. And thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Carolyn. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, so much of what I said has already been brought up. But one thing that I I've, I've noticed with Zoom is I turn off the video and I don't share. And that's just like trying to isolate and follow my quote-unquote real life. So that's all I have. Excellent, Carolyn. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for participating. Uh, I more than doubled my list with uh, things that are true for me that you helped me to... Um, to realize. So thank you very much. Um, let's close with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you to everyone who did service, and thanks everyone for, uh, as I said, for participating. Have a great night. See you tomorrow morning.